Church, if you brought your Bibles this morning, turn with me, if you would, to the book of Matthew. Chapter 4, verse 1, and the Bible says, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Verse 2, And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. Verse 4, But he answered and said, it is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Verse 5, Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city, and setteth him on the pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of the living God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou shalt dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Verse 8. Again the devil taketh him up into an exceedingly high mountain, and sheweth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory thereof, and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt just fall down and worship me. Verse 10. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. And verse 11 says, Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Let us pray. <laughs> Please, let us pray. I had, so, I had Tom read the opening scripture for this episode, because um, I feel like the debate last night and I told Tom this um, really as soon as I woke up and started reading the transcripts again. Because I watched it. You read transcripts, Terrence? <laughs> I read the transcripts. Uh, uh. I, I was absolutely blown away by this spectacle. I've never seen anything like this. So in yes, the history you, if, of... If you have been in a middle school classroom... You have indeed seen someone <laughs> seen this was this was a ninth grader owning his teacher over and over and over and over and over and over. Biden is a boomer and Trump is a zoomer. That's it. That's you, all there is. It, you you are spot on. That was literally like watching a sort of recalcitrant child just just paw around. Um, there's there's nothing smart about you, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you smart you with me. You finished last in your class at Delaware State. <laughs> you didn't even go to Delaware State. <laughs> so the reason even I... Even Joe couldn't keep a straight face. Even he was laughing at the owns. Well, it was, it was so bizarre. So I told Tom this morning that reading the transcripts and watching this last night, the impression I kept getting over and over again... Of the very first democratic, of the very first presidential debate in 2020, was you had a guy who was interviewing for the job, and and even more, maybe sort of uh, existentially, philosophically, or whatever, was interviewing for leadership of the world, and he was the protagonist, and you had on his shoulder at every minute some guy just poking holes in everything he believes about himself. Like, you're not smart, Joe. You can't do this. You're not the person for the job. You can't do this. <laughs> and it was Joe in his, like, haze, in his old, you know, senile brain was just like, I, I can do it. I'm the man for the job. You heard him say this multiple times. I can do the job. I can do the job. Would you just shut up? It was like watching someone bat off their demons. Like, will you just shut up, man? I've got this. I this can do was this. the last temptation of Joe Biden. It was the last temptation of Biden. <laughs> and thankfully, we get two more, apparently, before the election. I don't think they're, they're going to do this anymore, do you? Surely not. Yeah, surely not. Even Wolf Blitzer, whoever the dumbass is, was like, this very well might have been our first and last. <laughs> as soon as it went off, he said, well, that concludes our first and possibly last presidential debate. It was uh, phenomenal. Yeah. Both, uh, go ahead. both campaigns can't feel good about how, I mean, from their perspective, can't feel good how, about how they came out looking at this. 
You don't I think wonder... Trump feels good about it? Well, here's the thing. Here's the weird part about this. What I saw last night was actually Trump kind of on skates for the first time. A little bit. And the reason I say that is not necessarily because I think he sort of overplayed the bully tactic a little bit. And he also forgot that, like, his actual strength with Biden. Like, if you're just talking, if like if we're just like three limp dick pundits on CNN uh, talking about, like, scoring this. like You know, they score this like they do a fucking boxing match or something. Right, right. But if we were if we were just those types that were like scoring this just on points, okay? Trump is way better served to let give Biden the rope to hang himself because he's not like a very talented orator. You know what I mean? It, I mean, arguably through no fault of his own, you know, with the stammering thing and like part of that too is just like sundowning and him being unrepentant in his like wanting to speak to people and stuff in that. But, like, Trump actually sort of, I think, made an error in, like, making Joe Biden almost a sympathetic figure. But even then, that bar is very low because Biden also just looks, like, pretty weak in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, like, Trump sort of, I think he just sort of overplayed the bully thing a little bit. Not that any of that really matters in the grand scheme of things. But, like, again, if I'm just, like, playing, uh, you know, who's the guy... Paul, uh, <laughs> the Clinton dude that's always on CNN. If I'm just being Rahm Emanuel or something, you know what I mean? Van Jones. <laughs> I I don't know. I I, I don't really think I, I I think I might disagree. I think that the bully. Th- so they were saying before the debate. You know, you were saying like how they score this thing like a boxing match before the debate. They were like traditionally. An incumbent president never wins the first debate. It's like, how do you, you know, judge something like that, gauge something like that? Um, but, you know, I, I mean, like, I don't think that... So I was thinking about this, like, during the show, during, during as it unfolded itself, but, like, Trump's personality was honed in a, in a social world where his role was to just be the person who roasted another person, right? Yeah. Like he he gets he really thrives on being that person in a social setting. The person who is just undressing somebody, you know, through words and insults, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Whereas Biden Biden is a very similar archetype that I grew up with and that I know. Biden is a guy who never could dominate a room on wit or cleverness or insults or everything. He had to be the dude who like bowed up to the bully, right? Like, hey man, you want to you want to talk shit like that? You know what I mean? Like he would bow up to him. Yeah, he's not very. Yeah, he doesn't really have a good oratory or like a wit about him that's like mag- magnetic. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, not in the least. And what's funny is I saw people online being like, "He still got it though. He still got <laughs> some of that spark." And I was like, "Got what? What are you talking about, dude? It was it's so fucking bizarre to see people try to like." rationalize this or or make excuses for it it's just like this it it was it was embarrassing it was uncomfortable it was like watching an old person fall and hurt themselves it really was uncomfortable it's like he is so out of his element like he it was like watching somebody do something that they can't physically do you know what i mean and it was really hard to watch in my opinion i thought it was just sad yeah, and I think that was probably Trump's strategy. It's like, if I just badger him enough, he'll get so lost in his thoughts that he'll just be, like, incoherent and, like, not very cogent. Which, again, he doesn't need much help on his own yeah. to achieve those results. But I think Trump was just, like, looked particularly uh, petulant and childish. And, 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 and Biden, for that matter, was not short on petulancy. <laughs> Well, one of my favorite parts when I did actually cackle, other instead of cry, was when Biden said, "You've got, you've let two hundred and six thousand people die from this virus," and Trump just goes, "You would have let two million die." Yeah, not not based not based in anything. Just <laughs> absolutely, just I, I mean. I would have. Who could come up with this shit? Like that, he would just—he just went nuclear every single time. (laughs) 
Yeah, I like, I like, I like one of my favorite similar moments is when Trump said, "Oh, we forgot about H1N1. Uh-huh. You lost eleven thousand people. Far less deadly virus." <laughs> like, <laughs> This turned into a debate about immunology and fucking virology for two sundowning imbeciles. I mean, at one point, uh, Biden even said, you know, we've got uh, this many people dead. How many of them survived? (laughs) Something crazy like that. Absolute. No, what he said, I think I have the exact quote right here, Tanya. Um, it was, let's see if I can find it. It was essentially, of all the people who have died, how many have, oh, he said, by the way, 200,000 people that have died on his watch, how many of those have survived? Yeah. What? <laughs> Absolute what? nonsensory. <laughs> he said, at one point, he said, he's elected to the next election. Biden just mumbled that out. Like, he was just mumbling stuff a lot that was just, like, nonsensical. I want to read... I want to read his opening remarks. Cause his opening First off, I want to read a quote from Barack Obama from 2018. <laughs> That's all I kept thinking about. Joe, you don't have to do this. Well, dot, I, dot, dot. You really don't. <laughs> oh, my God. I kept thinking about that quote because at first, when this election started, I was like, he said that because he didn't want this election to be a referendum on the Affordable Care Act and on his legacy. But the more I think about it, but Obama told him that because he did not want a doddering old man to go out there and shit himself on national television and just get the floor mopped with him by this bully. Yeah, that's exactly what he was trying to avoid. Yeah, I mean, it, it, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I mean, it's... it's I, I don't think that Trump overplayed his hand here. I think that if anything, it reified the notion that he's the only person coherent and collected enough to lead a fractured country through something. I'm not saying that like as an endorsement, obviously, because I fucking hate Trump. All I'm saying is that like he proved that he has more coherent <laughs> cognitive function than the other person. And that that may have re-inspired the people who were on the fence who were like, well, he did kind of kill 200,000 people and tank the economy, so I might be, you know, entertaining the idea of voting for the Democrat who I never vote for. Well, they got to look at the Democrat last night, and they're like, oh, shit. I mean, that that's, you know, that's not going to work. Like, yeah. And even, uh, he even said a couple, he, he kept using the phrase, greatest economy of all time. We're the biggest, greatest economy of all time. Like, just, I mean, we know that he, he used, he, he's always using these like huge best, the best ever. But, Tremendous. Yeah. But it's just, who, i tell you what, this is a lesson, 2020 has just continued to be a lesson in, uh, in, expectation. Cause I, you know, I, I, I assumed I I couldn't have possibly had lo- a lower bar for this. You know, Did it like meet all your expectations. <laughs> it was even worse than I could have imagined. It was crazier <laughs> than I could have imagined. Like well, I, what I, I No, I'm sorry, go ahead. I mean, that's all it's just like just when we think things can't get any more bizarre, they truly do. <laughs> Yeah, it's just a never-ending bottle. It's just a never-ending new standard of how bizarre it can get. And I, it, either the weird thing is, I went into this thinking, okay, and even, I even said it yesterday when we scrimmaged. It was I said, well, this is going to be museum-worthy. This is going to be a piece of performance art that's going to go down, and it really just didn't get there. Like even as just like sheer entertainment value of two doddering fools, it was just like, ugh. Uh, it kind of got kind of got hard to watch. I I disagree. I disagree. I think that this was honestly. I think it was one of the milestones in the late sort of republic. And plus, also, well, I agree with that. I agree with that. <laughs> I just meant like I was expecting like somebody's going to like bust out ten push-ups or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> I see what you're saying. Well, listen, Michella got home last night while I was watching it. Oh, no, Michella. I saw Michella while we were watching it. That's what I'm getting at. That's what I'm getting at. Michella had to drop some equipment off 
at the Carter fold while Terrence was watching this and Michelle was talking to Carrie about something totally unrelated to this election. <laughs> and she said that Terrence kept yelling, this is historic, people. This is crazy. Are you seeing this? Are you seeing this? Terrence's favorite <laughs> phrase last night was a Rubicon has been crossed. Rubicon, yeah. She said that he and was I just tend like to yelling, this yelling nonsensical things, and she was just like, okay, man. <laughs> hey, can't you see, Jenny? There's no going back. <laughs> Terrence, as Terrence yells to one of the guys picking up garbage out on the street. Yeah. <laughs> Turn your TVs on! <laughs> yeah, like Carrie and Michella are talking in the background, and Terrence is like, What's wrong with you people? Can't, aren't you watching this? This is still a historical moment, people! Well, I, if I can make my case, let me plead my case, okay? It was the specific... It was the specific combination of, like, several different things. Mainly, the the plague. The fucking pandemic, because none of the audience members can react, so they all have to sit there in complete silence. And so that means the only person that can mediate and feed off the energy in the room is Chris Wallace. And so, in the Hillary debates, the audience, there was people in the audience on Hillary's side. And so, it, it, and it lended itself to this kind of gladiatorial spectator match. You know what I mean? Like this glad, gladiatorial spectacle in which, like, Hillary would say something and people would be like... Oh damn! And it would be really cringe and lame. And then Trump would say something, and then the chuds would fucking lose their mind. But in this case, if you don't have an audience on your side, you can't argue with Trump. And so, if Biden would have had an audience that they could have fed off of what he was saying, he might have done a little bit better. But because the only person that could do it was Chris Wallace, Trump just talked over him the whole time. And a really hilarious thing that kept happening was like Chris Wallace said at the beginning like he was going to try to commit himself to objectivity and fact checking and all this and so time after time after time Chris Wallace would try to hold Biden's feet to the fire on something and Trump would jump in and like uh you know uh you know like uh gang you know he'd like group jump him or something you know what I mean like he would group up with Chris Wall Chris Wallace on Biden well, because that's is... his nature right he's a bully yeah, he yeah, sees yeah. someone getting attacked he's like oh I gotta oh, go in for the yeah. kill I gotta get a piece of this yeah. exactly <laughs> yeah. that's and where it... Tom is right that he overplayed the bully card a little bit yeah just I just I just I don't mean like in the court of public opinion I just mean in terms of like I'm I, you gotta understand I'm I'm scoring this on sheer entertainment value. <laughs> yeah, it just got, it's his whole like thing just kind of got annoying. If like the whole, you know what I mean? They're just like constantly talking over everybody. It's just like it, it became inaudible at certain points, and it just wasn't fun to watch for me. I tell you what, it, well, yeah, where when three men were talking over each other. That felt like a panic attack. Oh, it was so anxiety-inducing. Yeah, when when Chris is yelling over him, and he, and at one point he's like, "Well, I guess I'm just debating you now." And I was like, "Yeah, th yeah, that's the problem." <laughs> hey, but, hey, that's okay. I'm used to it. Yeah, I, was, I expected that. <laughs> but at some point last night or this morning, I started to. Um, fantasize i guess could be the word about how how trump prepped for this <laughs> hey who do you think and, was the biden standing yeah. in office? <laughs> probably trump jr i was watching i guess by the time i was done because i was switch, switching back and forth between multiple streams and because i would cut it off and then go back and couldn't find the one i was on anyway by the end of it it was like on cnn i think and uh, they cut to a an interview with Trump Jr., which I realized I couldn't have, I couldn't have picked that motherfucker out of a lineup. Yeah, he looks like every guy you see at TGI Friday is yeah. recently divorced. Yeah. And he he was one hundred percent coked out of his mind. He talked so fast. He never took one breath, and they they kept interrupting him to ask him other questions, and he just kept going in. So I wonder if it was him. <laughs> I wonder you talking about debate prep. I wonder what specific cocktail of drugs they gave the person who was acting as Biden. Like they made him drink like motor oil and ether, <laughs> codeine, and, <laughs> yeah, codeine, and then a few amphetamines, like to get the right simulation of joe biden what do you have to give someone 
Well, okay, here's my question. What do you think is the line? I already have my answer. This is why I want to know what y'all think. What do you think was the line of the night that Trump was most proud of, ready, like couldn't wait to use? Oh, uh, you want to talk about smart? Him t- him calling Biden, uh, he said, did you use the word smart? <laughs> <laughs> Joe, there's nothing smart about you. See, I think that must have been, I, f- I felt like that came off. Um, off the un- cuff? Un- yeah, off the cuff. I didn't think that yeah. was planned. You, I guess it could have been. Well, well oh, it's, all, it, it's also funny, though, because like. Trump graduated from Penn and like what his people are always, always talking about and it doesn't really matter because the guy also lives in a gold palace and they still think he's like a man of the people but like they're always talking about how like oh the Democrats are elitists elitists and elitists and Joe Biden actually has a pretty comparatively modest like educational background I think he went to like University of Delaware and Syracuse yeah you know what I mean which are like not bad schools but like not like the Harvard jails whatever whatever right. and like Trump played the whole like oh I went to you know whatever pen or whatever you know ivy league and like usually that would be like something the democrats would be like right over the calls for right yeah saying like i'm smarter than you but like i think trump's so transparently an imbecile that like, <laughs> like eh, just let him have it <laughs> well and or go ahead sorry no you go ahead i want to know what y'all th- what y'all think his favorite line was that he was ready to pull out and use um, <laughs> he did really. He kept needling on him on the manifesto. Like he kept calling the Democratic Party platform the manifesto. <laughs> yeah, and he kept. Yeah, and then he he made Biden say, "I am the Democratic Party. I am the yeah. Democratic Party," which is a b- bananas fucking thing to say. But he well, he, he to, definitely worked him into a couple corners. Wasn't it hilarious when he said, "Oh, you're going to be sworn in with Bernie and Kamala Harris on the manifesto." <laughs> <laughs> but listen, he listen. Just said, oh, you just lost the left. Oh, you just lost the left. <laughs> yeah, you just lost the left right there. Oh. <laughs> this is what I mean. This is what I mean by him. T- this being the last temptation of Biden because. He, um, Donald Trump, Joe, you agreed with Bernie Sanders, who's far left on the manifesto, we call it, and that gives you socialized medicine. Joe Biden, look, hey, Donald Trump, are you saying you didn't agree? Joe Biden, I'm not going to listen to him. The fact of the matter is I beat Bernie Sanders. Donald Trump, not by much. <laughs> Joe Biden, <laughs> Joe Biden I, I beat him by a whole hell of a lot. Donald Trump, not by much. Joe Biden, I'm here standing facing you, old buddy. <laughs> it's just like... I'm telling you, it, it really was like a guy being like, no, I'm not going to listen to him. I got, I earned my spot here. Listen, I deserve a chance to speak. Would you just the hush? devil on his shoulder Would being like, just not by much, not by yeah, much, Joe. It's, it's like imposter much. syndrome. <laughs> it's just like casting that doubt in his ear. And, I, and you know what was also funny, too? I mean, it wasn't funny. It was like, like I guess just for a casual like listener, like, the idea of I've got done more done in 47 months than you have in that's 47 it. years. That's he kept going it. back to that. That's the line that I think Biden, that Trump had practiced and could not wait to drop. Oh, yeah. He was, yeah, you could tell as soon as he that said it. That was his it, mic it was drop. Like, he felt so good about it. When he said it, I just bust out <laughs> laughing because I was like, he had been holding on to that. That was his silver bullet, baby. <laughs> that was it. Well, a reason that I, another reason why I think it was sort of historic, not just because of the singular weirdness of it, because, but also just because no, like, no synthesis or conclusions were ever reached on anything. Nobody was ever, ever able to finish a thought. It was just mostly dominated by Trump. Joe was the protagonist, but Trump spoke the most. And to me, watching it last night i just had this very distinct feeling that it kind of embodied the impasse that america is at at this point to where like we have all drifted so far apart from each other we don't even have a common arena or common ground for discussion anymore the crisis crisis, exactly and so that's and that's what it felt like it felt like if there, if this was going to be the last debate, that would be why. What, what's the common arena? What's the common ground we can even speak on anymore? We have such vastly different views on what the future would be that it feels like uh, 
that's why I guess I was calling it a Rubicon. It felt like we had crossed uh, something because, like, for the last, I feel like for the last 150 years, really since the Civil War leading up to this point, presidential elections have been this thing of decorum and everybody all participated in the debate with the same understanding that you give your uh, interlocutor time to actually ask the questions and you give your opponent time to answer them and then you have a, a civilized debate back and forth. The, the, the debates with Hillary were kind of that, they were kind of a mixture of several different things. I don't know if Trump really knew how much he could get away with or I think Hillary, honestly, though, Hillary Clinton has her brain left. She can actually still spar, even though it's cringe and, and lame. But this was just something entirely different. This kind of felt like uh, it was the death of that particular kind of presidential election. And, um, and that's again, that's why it felt like a Rubicon. It just felt like there's really nothing after this. What's left? What's that? Yeah, what comes it, after? I, yeah, it's, I mean, it, it's also been the theme of the whole Trump presidency. I mean, he's laid bare how paper-thin all of our institutions and decorum and norms are or whatever. And this is like like a, yet another example of him like tearing one of those down. You know, and, and another thing I think, you know, we, we sort of got to talk about too is sort of the Charlottesville referendum here where Trump sort of gives the wink and the nod to the Proud Boys. And then and then on the opposite end, perhaps surprisingly, Joe Biden, you know, says, well, Antifa's not like an organization. It's a it's yeah. a state of, or whatever, an ideology, an or, ideology or whatever. Yeah, a belief. Yeah. Which is, yeah. I think, uh, I didn't expect that out of Joe Biden. I don't think anybody expected that out of Joe Biden. But no. It was a very rare moment of actual coherency in... And honestly... Honestly, honestly, I mean, this is not a Biden endorsement, but if we're talking about, like, people on the left staying safe, it kind of made you feel at least like if Biden gets in there, he's not going to, like, drag the left, you know, into, like, a tile room and shoot us in the head like Trump might. Yeah. We'll absolutely go to jail for vandalism and other crimes, but, you know, I don't think... We won't like our be phys- designated a domestic terrorist group. <laughs> We won't go to Guantanamo, is what I'm saying. <laughs> you'll and honestly, your like, jail. if you're going to punch one in, that might that might be something worth punching one in for. <laughs> oh, man. Voting for someone so you don't go to Guantanamo. So you don't. Correct. So- <laughs> like, within eight months, we went from voting for Medicare for All and the possible Green New Deal to, <laughs> to voting, to voting to, for Don't Kill Me. <laughs> yeah, Don't Kill Me. Don't take me to Guantanamo. <laughs> <laughs> Don't torture me in Guantanamo. I mean, much like we went from, you know, in a year's time on this podcast, we went from I just want to die to please, please help. <laughs> We're dying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, the duality. Yeah, once you really get to facing death, it's not so fun. <laughs> not, not really cute up close. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Will you shut up, man? I mean, it was so hard to watch. <laughs> just, Just shut him up. Just shut up, man. By the way, you can go inject some bleach in your arm. It's just like, oh, even uh, even Trouble's like, oh, you know that was satire. I've never heard him say that. Where it's like that was satire. You know that was a sarcastic comment. And the th- the funny thing is, is Trump's like, like his moral compass is so warped. And I hate to use phrases like that, but like it, like his like way of seeing the world is so warped. He thought that. Like, and of course it was bullshit. Like, he actually really, like, either he was, like, you know, having a bad day and sundowning that day, or he, like, actually is a moron, thought there might be some sort of medicinal qualities to putting bleach in your system. <laughs> but that definitely wasn't a sarcastic comment. And even if no, it no. was, no, it definitely well, even wasn't. if it was, like, that, like, he just took the sociopath mask all the way off. Like, yeah. you would never, use, like, be sarcastic during a moment like that. <laughs> Telling like, it's not even a good survive, excuse. Yeah, a death warrant. Yeah, like, people are, like, dying by, you know, by the scores, like, during this point. This is, like, the height, right? This is, like, when, like, New York was, like, getting fucked up by COVID and everything. And he was going to, yeah, he's going to plead, oh, it was a sarcastic comment. And that moment, that's just fucking, like... That's even worse than just, like, just admitting, like, tacitly you're a fucking idiot. Yeah, it's disease. And and even 
when Chris Wallace was like, well, our next question is about COVID. So let's try to be serious. This is a very serious. It was just like, what in the hell's going on here? This is a presidential yeah. election for the leader of the free world. <laughs> hey, well, hey, how fucking great was it when he just casually pulled that mask out of his jacket pocket? He was like, I'm not against mask. I got one right here. I'll put it on. In your questions of which ones you think he had ready, obviously he had Obviously that he had the mask ready to go, yeah. <laughs> it was like like that scene in Anchorman where he pulls the fucking flute out of his like shirt jacket pocket. It's, uh, it's like, hey, what are you talking about? I got one right here. <laughs> and he was making fun of Joe for wearing a mask too much and too big. His mask is huge. <laughs> yeah, he's got the biggest mask I've ever seen. He's talking to like seven people and he's standing 600 yards away, but he's still got a mask on. <laughs> <laughs> he basically called him a sheep. Nobody goes to your rallies, Joe. <laughs> I did see someone say that they can't believe that Biden didn't mention Herman Cain getting sick and dying because he went to Trump's. Uh, it's a missed. It's an unforced error. Honestly. That is. That's a blown opportunity. Yeah. I, yeah. You know, just to return to this idea. Um, you know, and I don't want to get too bleak with it, but I walked away from this feeling very bleak. I walked away from this feeling that, and obviously it's so stupid to, to make pronouncements like this, especially since it's literally late September and uh, anything could happen. But I walked away feeling very much like Trump is going to win again. I really felt leading up to this that Biden had it in the bag that how can you blow a 3-1 lead you know what I mean? And and Biden somehow did it. And I'm, the only reason I'm saying that is because I, I held on to this. But there's a specific moment right after RBG died. We didn't talk about it. But right after RBG died, when they found, when they caught Trump, you know, I guess he was coming back from a rally or, or getting off Air Force One or something. And Elton John's Tiny Dancer was playing in the background. And they asked him about RBG. Did you guys see that? Sounds familiar, but no. Yeah, I, I I remember hearing about this. I didn't see it. It was such a surreal thing. I mean, because, you know, this song that everybody knows and has these good, positive feelings towards, it's nostalgic in the good way. Um, we associate it with maybe a movie like Almost Famous or, or, you know, with classic rock radio or whatever. And, and, and it's sort of marred by Trump giving this obviously an obvious attempt at sincerity over RBG's death, but you know he's not sincere because he doesn't give a fuck because he knows it's an opportunity. And there's just this moment after that where he turns away and he's walking back, I guess, to the White House or Air Force One, and there's all these lights behind him, and you just see his silhouette and like his iconic hair, and there's, and there's Elton John, Tiny Dancer, playing in the background. And I just... <laughs> And I just remember thinking in that moment that who else could be the president right now? I mean, it's like America really has no soul or collective identity left. And so it needs – and you know, and so, and so as a result, people talk about civil war. They watch a, a debate like this, and they're like, oh, civil war is coming. Like, there's the only logical conclusion. But it's like you see something like that, and it's like a civil war isn't coming. What's coming is a more – you know, uh, austere uh, economic state, welfare state. What's coming is a more brutal police state. Um, I, and I don't. That's what I felt like watching last night. What I felt like when I walked away from the debate last night. That all of our attempts to stop this have completely failed. And like, how are we going to get rid of a guy like this? I mean, how are we going to get rid of a of political movement like this? It's it's so deeply intertwined in America's identity at this point that it is fully embodied in Trump talking over, you know, the the interlocutor, completely dominating the whole thing, uh, you know, com refusing to go away and just, you know, and it's just like we're not going to be able to get rid of this, I don't feel like. Well, I mean, I know, obviously, we talk a lot about how this is, you know, really just the natural progression of conservatism and Republicans and Trump isn't the anomaly that he's made out to be. But you don't lay some of this cultural situation at his feet. 
What um in what sense? I mean, like saying about how how America is right now, just like the total maniacal. I don't know. I think his fandom is is a kind of bizarre thing. Yeah, I I think I mean part of that. I think what you might be getting at is is it, it's hard to overcome having a mass of mobilized people that have watched you and developed their own sort of parasocial relationship with you by tuning into your hit program, The Apprentice. Yeah. Uh, every Thursday night at seven o'clock over the course of fifteen years, and then like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I I, I didn't articulate myself very well. I I apologize. I'm operating on not a lot of sleep. <laughs> Terrence but, was out, uh, 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 like Paul in Revere streets. in the streets of Whitesburg last night. <laughs> just paradigm. Uh, he rode through the streets on horseback, screaming, the Rubicon's been crossed, the Rubicon's been crossed. <laughs> People were, like, hanging out their windows with lanterns, seeing what was up. We've jumped what the I, Rubicon. I guess what I'm saying is that if Biden loses, it will be because there's nothing there to oppose this. Col- yeah. Trump in his movement is a, a solid, coherent, internally consistent worldview. Whereas yeah. Biden is nothing. It is confusion. It's fog. It's the brain fog. It's the brain fog I have right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, like, so it's not sufficient to actually battle and combat this. And if they lose, that'll be why. Yeah. It's, it's like, really, it's, and it's really hard to watch in real time, is what I'm saying. At the, it is reminiscent of of the Nazis taking Poland, where like they show up in Panzer tanks, and the Polish military shows up on horseback with sabers. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's not. It's like we're, we we don't have a response that's adequate because we've never faced anything like this. You know what I'm saying? Well, even more, even. And uh, but, but yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I think well, you're gonna say what I'm getting ready to say. Well, I was going to say that the adequate response would be Bernie. Right. The fact that it can't be should tell you something about the political economy. What's happening right now? That's what I was about to say. Yeah, it's like it's, you know, at the fear of always sounding conspiratorial. I mean, that's just where we're at now. But it's hard not to consider that the Democrats had no intention of winning this election. No interest in it. Because they know they would have won with Bernie. They have to know that. Well, I think it was a situation whether they would rather lose with, like, their guy than win with, like, and have to, like, reorient everything about how they view the world, what their laws of governing and morality is and all that kind of stuff. And they're just not willing to do that. Not under the current leadership, not as it's currently constituted. And, uh... It's it's weird when you, you know, we say sometimes like they fetishize losing, and I don't think it's that so much as they think that like history has this sort of ebb and flow where sometimes you pass the ball for a little bit, but it'll always seesaw back and self-correct, and we're 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 past the point of self-correction of this system. You know what well, I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the again to go back to this Rubicon metaphor, I think the metaphor, I think what I'm driving at here is that it became painfully obvious last night that this is the conservatives' country. We live in a totalitarian system that they run, and we have this sort of spectacle where we pretend that there is some sort of democratic challenge to it. And if that was the case, if we did still live in a country where you could democratically challenge that, Bernie would be the nominee. But because he's not, because we live in the Republicans' country, in their world, the world that McConnell created, we can't we can't mount any kind of large scale mass political challenge to it. Yeah. So <clears throat> you even see like I was talking earlier this week. Somebody was bringing up how crazy it is that they <clears throat> they know apparently uh, at least a handful of people who are are voting for Trump, but said they would have voted for Bernie, and then being so like freaked out by that because they're so opposite politically. But it's it's you know it's the common thread of anti establishment and you see that you saw that last night when he's like i mean he used bernie to make fun of of joe but he really in a in a i mean he definitely was like oh you're you know you're bernie's so left but he kind of like even i don't know it, it felt almost like he was saying 
that he likes Bernie better than Joe. Even you know what I mean? Didn't it feel I've that way? I've noticed that multiple times. Yeah. Yeah. He, it's like what did he always say during the primary? They'll never let Bernie win. They'll never let Bernie win. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking about this. There was an there is an incredible clip. I mean, I've talked about this multiple times, but there's an incredible clip from the 2016 primaries in which it's a debate, and I think there's still like nine people in it because there was like 20 people running for the GOP primate primary. But you know, yeah, who do you tr- think what should have been? The, who, who was who was the next Republican in line for this? I thought you know Jeb. A lot of people thought Jeb was going to be the guy. Oh, yeah, I think yeah, it was yeah. Jeb. Mm-hmm. But there's an amazing there's an amazing clip where Trump goes. He's you know at the debate and he's like, you know what the problem with America is right now? Any of these people on this stage, their door is always open to me. I can go in and ask them whatever I want, and I'll get it. And that's the problem. And, and and I was thinking about that while I was watching the debate last night, is that it never even occurred to, I mean, Trump knew, we should have known that Bernie would ever win when Trump knew it. Because Trump, from his vantage point in the American political system, knows who the country is for and who has a political voice in it and who can shape where it goes. And so it was never even, Trump, you know, it was never even a possibility that Bernie could win, win in Trump's mind. Because he's right. Because the tr- the country is made for people like him. Yeah. Right. Right. And he understands that. Yeah. He understands it better than anybody. Then, <clears throat> in a way that the Democrats just like, the Democrats are like people that are like actually bad people, but constantly like are earnest and present themselves like they're like good people. Yeah, on a moral high but, ground. But yeah. just cannot cannot reckon with the fact that actually I might not be that great of a person. They are sinister <laughs> fucking, just freaks. Yeah. Well, it, it's gone back to what we said the last couple of weeks, which is that the actual liberal in this race was Bernie. And if yeah. this country actually had a future in which it continued its global domina- dominance economically and militarily, then that would have been the nominee. Uh, yeah. Because it would have indicated that the fu- the country still had a future where it could, uh, you know, you could implement some of those larger social programs. And But now... Trump and them or Biden and them they're not even liberals they really are the lifestyle brands what you're saying Tanya they ha- they are morally superior they're virtuous and that's the lifestyle and that's what they're peddling and it's, just what- re- it's just that's what was so disturbing about watching it in real time last night watching that just run up against the reality of a person like Trump yeah and now what we're left with is essentially a liquidation right yeah. But these guys don't really care about God and country or any of these things they purport to care about. What they care about is they're like, well, let's just take everything that we've got here and, like, good luck to everybody else and y'all can sort this out. You know what I mean? We're just going to take what's what's ours. And uh, the Democrats thing is like, well, we're going to we're gonna return to decency. We're going to return to decency. And there's just no decency to begin with, really. <laughs> no, nothing to return It's just a veneer. What? The, the the impotence of that idea was fully embodied in every time Biden said, "Will you just shut up, man? Will you just shush? <laughs> Will you just hush him?" Like that, the just the ineffectiveness of that approach was embodied in that. When he immediately apologized for calling Trump a clown, because that was just something you can't say to the president of the United States. Like, if you're not going to respect the man, you should at least respect the office. Something that I think Joe Biden earnestly believes. Yeah, I did too. See, I was cut out. I didn't see that part. That was one of when I, uh, time I had gave up on it. But <laughs> he called him a clown and then immediately apologized. Yeah, then it just like immediately is like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm that was sorry. just beyond the pale. Yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, this is the same as the man who says, uh, you know, I, I'm not trying to punish anyone. That's the fucking problem, bitch. That's the literal fucking problem. Let me ask you all a question. We know that, like, sort of once we get some distance for some things, nostalgia kicks back in and people remember the times better than they even were during the time. You see this in music, you know, with, you know synthesizer music and 80s goth band revival stuff kind of coming back in. Do you think at some point in the not too distant future there's going to be somebody that tries to come back out that like maybe like didn't really grow up on the West Wing but just found it on Hulu one day and it's like that's 
that's how you govern. That's it. And then they try to run as just like, like a um, sort of like, um, you know, just like a Clintonite, Obamaite sort of Democrat again. At like long after like that shit has been useful or anything like that. Like I, I, that's why I start seeing these these trends. Is like people are going to start running as like certain archetypes from like presidential history from now on. So who's going to be our next Trump? Who's going to be our nostalgia Trump? Uh, I don't think there's anybody. This, this again. This is what I was getting at with that thing about the Elton John RBG thing. There's nobody like him. There's no. like yeah. he is so singularly an embodiment of everything America is right now. And and so it really wouldn't surprise me if. He didn't ever leave office, and if his whole family never <laughs> left office. But also, establish- also, even if they do, let's say even if they do, and that's like his politics are going to reign for a while, and it, we're not going to, there's not going to be a chance to get any distance from it to have that nostalgia. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. that's the thing. People are going to start throwing darts using sort of like West Wing archetypes or whatever the hell they can muster in their head. You know, somebody might come out and run as a fucking, I don't know, fucking, yeah, I don't know. It's wild to think it's, about the it's, images it's sad of him, depressing. you know, reigning for a hundred years or whatever in, in the, like, in the, in the climate hell that's ensuing. And only getting worse. Yeah. You know, like, at what point is he, like, going to be live streaming from a plane that's dumping water on a forest fire? You know, like, just, like, crazy shit. Yeah, it was, um, I mean, he, he, Biden openly came out against the Green New Deal last night. And, um, <laughs> yeah. Fine. Also, he kept saying Obamacare. Like, he really thinks, <sighs> whatever. I mean, he said the Affordable yeah. Care Act multiple times, but then he just, like, reverted back to saying Obamacare. It's just like, you fucking dumbass. This <laughs> is so Are you dumb. talking about Biden said that? Yeah, Biden. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's... um. And maybe there was some truth like when I he tr- was yelling, I am the Democratic Party. And that, that was, was a, pr- I thought that was interesting. It <laughs> was. It was a response to Trump calling him further left than he was. Right. And and they are offended by that. Like that's the worst thing. Deeply you can offended. Say. Deeply offended. Oh yeah. They would much they would much rather you know something interesting we didn't even talk about that I think Trump did last night was and rightly not that he's got a fucking like it's classic, you know, throwing stones on a glass house thing. But calling out Biden's shitty record on, on race and civil rights. I mean it was very cringe to see like three guys in their seventies like talking about the black community and all that kind of all that kind of stuff. I mean it was pretty disgusting. But like how are you gonna sit here like Joe Biden cannot take the high ground on that stuff because he has directly influenced legislation that has marginalized black people Rurt people's even lives. to this day Rurt like generations yeah that is that's that's a lot worse than like rhetoric you know so and he he he, he to this day will not stand on that i mean he was arguing with kamala harris about bussing at the fucking last primary <laughs> <laughs> you remember he was denying that and she was like taking it right. like, reaming his ass for that and then comes out afterwards and says oh that was a debate yeah she, she says oh it was a debate about. yeah like you made t-shirts with you as a little girl getting on a bus <laughs> and that was a debate oh fuck that's God, right so oh fucking... well before we sign off I'd like to uh kind of check the temperature of Letcher County and see what's going on out there in the world. Well, before we go, I just want to, or before we switch over to Speak Your Peace, which, by the way, there is an absolute masterpiece in Speak Your Peace this week. Um, oh, there's God. a few good ones. There's a few really good ones. Tom, do you have the but, most um, up-to-date edition? Yeah. 
I, I guess I just wanted to point out a few things or just to sort of throw them out there. Um, but the first is that, like, I woke up this morning and, you know, it's really weird to watch people have to square the circle of not admitting that Biden did terribly last night. Um, you know, I, I've, I've, I've watched a lot of liberals do this. Like, they've basically said, they've basically been mum about it. Some of them have, have absolutely melted down over it and been like, this is what you get when you choose a 78-year-old, you know, white man, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, like, I've seen a lot of liberals melt down like that. Um, but I've seen a lot of them just try to pretend that it was fine, that Trump was a bully, and that he dominated the whole thing. But I really want to challenge anybody who thinks that way and who is not critical about this at all and still, you know, is trying to berate me and everybody else to voting, which I'm going to vote because I don't want to go to Guantanamo Bay, obviously. Um, I really have to ask you, like, how much longer can you keep doing this? You know, I mean, how, how much longer can you keep denying what's right in front of your very eyes? You know, it's just like... It's it's really hard to watch. It's really hard to pretend to watch people pretend like that wasn't just incredibly embarrassing and that we have mounted no meaningful challenge to what has happened in the last four years. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I guess my challenge to you is, uh, you know, if this is what we've been doing, maybe we need to reassess a little bit well america's over i mean we've been on this tip but like america's yes, done it's it a, the america's an idea it's over it's canceled it's done it's it's, 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 it's you're right yeah it's time's up clock's over it's done <laughs> turkey's cooked and i i at least did see several people with that take last night immediately just like if there is no other, if you if you can't accept any other sign, like, you know, uh, the sky's blood red, air can't breathe. I mean, <laughs> if there are no other signs. If some celestial you, cosmic sign doesn't do it for you, yeah, then maybe this will. Maybe this will be, will, will be uh, the scripture you need to admit that this nation is a sack of horseshit. And it's all just been a big fucking failed experiment in performative arts performative misery yeah yeah well i mean and so um i don't know it's this it always sucks to have a show because you always arrive at the inevitable destination of america's it, over like, you tell <laughs> well no. yes that's the diagnosis but what's the, what's the um, hope? prescription yeah what do you actually tell people to go do and uh, um drugs Here's what I, and, here's, uh, <laughs> I say return to the land, plant a tomato, grow your own weed and tomatoes. I don't know. I think uh, this is going to sound weird because I, you know, I'm not necessarily a, a Maoist, I wouldn't say, but I always, when I have a problem, I always go to Chairman Mao <laughs> to see what he has to say <laughs> on the subject. And I think... What we have to do is just reconsider our notion of, like, how we can mount sort of an offensive to Trumpism or whatever, you know, whatever, like, it is that we're facing in the moment, whatever you want to call it, and sort of really think about historical precedents if there is anything that even approximates this, but also to, like, being sure to throw out what wor what doesn't work and just, I mean, we got to just, like, reconceptualize how we, like, face down stuff like this. And I, and I don't know what that is, but, uh, I mean, I think that's my prescription is, like, let's go back to the fucking, you know, the drawing board. Oh, yeah. Because this, is, this yeah. is not, this is, this is not like, this is a unique animal, you know what I mean? And it's, it's going to take something radically different and new to sort of face off against that. Yeah, I, I just keep coming back to the anecdote that Tanya gave us yesterday, and it'll be on the Patreon. But just, you know, to sum it up, parking lot, McDonald's parking lots filled to the brim with kids who are doing their schoolwork off of free McDonald's Wi-Fi. Churches filled with people who need childcare, food, 
and education services. We are seeing an unprecedented breakdown of the state. The opportunities for helping people, for helping one another, have never been greater. And more than that, not just opportunity, but the necessity. Yeah. There are so many people falling through the cracks. Yeah. And, yeah. and so you have, uh, you have an obligation to help one another. If nothing else, this spectacle going on every night should show you that this is so far removed from our lives. It is so far removed from our lives. We have to take back our lives. We have to take back autonomy and help yeah. one another. And that's going to be political. It's going to have to be politicized. Yeah, M- yeah. mutual aid. Like- mutual aid is highly political. It is not just a cute, some exactly. cute thing. Mutual Do unto aid, your neighbors as you'd want done unto you. It goes beyond that. Mutual aid is a theory yeah. of change. <laughs> it is a, a fundamental theory of change and it's a vehicle toward liberation yeah. there's there's no if ands or buts about it and it ain't new it sure as fuck isn't some new thing we're doing to survive covid <laughs> covid's just like are like we have to start seeing this i mean i still have people saying like when this is all over let's go to do this trip it's like what's what's gonna be over what's over like, yeah, it's not going to end. This is not an end. Like, there's not an ending to this. We're going to have to adapt our ability to care for one another, our ability to survive together. Radically. In a huge way. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I really can't stress this enough. For me personally, you may think differently, but I just do not see any more opportunities in the electoral realm. There are exceptions maybe at the municipal level and maybe even at the sort of congressional level but i don't know but for me personally i think it's so far beyond any hope that i mean it just seems to me that things are moving so uh they're moving so drastically in one single direction and that direction is you know uh, i don't want to call it collapse because it isn't collapse necessarily it's just brutality that's what it is yeah yeah. And and the only way you get through b- brutality is with other people, is with one another. Yeah. Um, and so you're right, Tanya. I mean, like that, that's a, it is a political practice in theory. It, it's been used all throughout history because people have had no other other alternative. I mean, you think people in like serfs, feudal and feudal Europe were able to like vote their way out of this? Like, <laughs> it's it's become very clear at this point that. The political situation we're looking at has no room for us. It has no. It offers nothing. In fact, it's moving the other direction. They want to disenfranchise you and make sure that your voice is, you know, not heard in any way, and that you'll just go the fuck away. More than anything, they want you to shut the fuck up and go away. Let me leave leave you with one little visual of electoralism and how it is useless. Uh in 2016, I was just talking to a friend about this. In 2016, here in Eastern Kentucky, we had to go to the polls with our head. Here in Trump country, we had to go to the polls with our heads wrapped up because the smoke was so bad from forest fires. You remember this? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. We had to cover our face. We could not breathe. Here in 2020, we were being asked to go to the polls again for a better future with mask on and keeping this can't even like get around people in fewer locations just like all these things like even voting itself is just like obviously the even the visual and like the actual practice of it is just so maniacal (laughs) this theater it is, and this is like the second. This will be the second elect, you know, national um, general election, presidential election in a row, where at least here in the mountains, it, there it's just not even safe. <laughs> it's not even a safe thing to do. It just like makes no sense. It's not even um, a neutral like. Well, it's the simplest thing you can do. I mean, I don't even think that. I mean, you have to ask yourself, you think after watching that fucking spectacle last night, do you think this country has enough social cohesion to actually implement a national health care plan, a national climate plan? 
No, that's it doesn't exist. We have to start over. Right. It is. It's, it, yeah, like, you know, AEP, American Electric Power is trying to raise rates right now and, like, all this <laughs> shit. I don't want to get into that. But, like, when when the when you know that it's like my media is like this is this shit needs to be nationalized this is just outrageous but then look at who we're who we're if when that's supposed to be our solution but we're turning it over to maniacal maniacs (laughs) it's complete fucking sociopaths yeah well, anyways, um, you know, I hope that that wasn't too much of a bummer, but I'm not I'm not really feeling that bummed. I'm feeling pretty dark, but at the same time, I feel more clear-headed than I've ever been. Well, that's also that's also I just think anytime you can conceptualize a way that's never been conceptualized to a way forward, I just think it's kind of you know, it's scary, but it's also exhilarating. It's freeing, yeah. No. That's freedom. Yeah. To see something yeah. that you have, to envision something and make steps toward it of something that you've not seen. Yeah. That's imagination. Like, yeah. that's art. That's beauty. That is just, like, joy to be able to manifest something. I know y'all don't like the word manifest, but <laughs> to summon... <laughs> It takes me back to my Pentecostal days when they were just telling people to manifest yourself without cancer. (laughs) Instead of, you know, seeking an oncologist or whatever. Anyway. Enjoy. I I do want to plug our Patreon this week because I think it will be a fun trip into a um, time machine, which you will want. We all want a time machine. A time machine back to the world before the debate we all will wish <laughs> in a few days you'll we'll all wish we could do that and our patreon will 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 we'll give you that we have a special gift for you in the patreon yeah go to the patreon you'll hear an episode we recorded right before the debate tom give us a little bit of palate cleanser like i said there's some great speaker pieces but um maybe pick out just like uh four or five. i'll give you a smattering here <clears throat> let's kick it off with this satanic rituals is that what they're going to put the children through again on Halloween? Ooh. You think this pleases God? Really, people? Celebrating a holiday that's dedicated to Satan? What's wrong with you people? <laughs> this holiday needs to be stopped. They need to set aside a fall day for celebration, but not Halloween. God bless our nation, God bless our children, and God bless President Trump. It's a different world now. Children don't need the candy. They have more than they should eat already. What the heck? Some compelling arguments there. <laughs> I never to really all the... knew that people were, um, you know, that opposed to Halloween. I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know argument. Halloween was on the ballot. Yeah, same, same. Anyways, go ahead. Sorry. To all the people out there who I thought were friends with me and my son. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh my I like god. this one. I never this turns thing, quick. It felt very much like a player haters ball, like fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. <laughs> He's dying of cancer down in Florida. Not one time have any of you called me to ask anything about him or how I'm doing. I've really found out who my true friends are, and there are none. He'll be all right. He will die in peace, and I will die hating every one of you. <laughs> God, um, honestly, this is so relatable. Because if I have a bad day and someone I love hasn't checked on me, I take it so personal. And it has nothing to do with me. <laughs> so I hope and I hope and pray to God that none of you ever need me. I have been there for a lot of you all. I have loaned you money or let you drive my car when you didn't have anything to drive. I let you sleep at my house when you didn't have a place to stay. Man. And that that that's the... <laughs> I've been watching some of Amy McGrath's political ads. In one, she said that during the 9-11 attack, she was sitting on the end of a runway waiting to be called to shoot down one of the hijacked planes. She was at Maramar Marine Corps Air Station. For those who don't know Maramar Air Station, it is in San Diego, California. She expects us to believe they're going to call her to fly approximately 3,500 miles to shoot down an aircraft in an emergency when there's all kinds of jet fighters within minutes of Washington, D.C.? I don't think so. How dumb does she think we are? Thank, thank you. 
I got two more here, and we'll close out. If you believe that the mail-in votes are so safe and secure at the end of October, the 1st of November, take a $500 bill and mail it back to yourself. <laughs> Dude, I've never heard that. I, hey. Go for it. See how long it takes for you to get it back if you get it back at all. Absentee. Hold on a second. <laughs> a $500 bill. <laughs> A $500 bill. A $500 bill. Do they even have those? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, like, if, so you, if they do, it's like a $2 bill where you have to get, like, you know, like a special, like, note from the treasury or the or go to a bank and get right. one. That's so right. smart, though, too. It's, it sounds like you're going to give somebody something big, but then you'll be like, oh, those don't exist. Sucker. Yeah. <laughs> right. Absentee voting is okay. That is where you ask for a ballot and they send it to you. The November 3rd election will be so crazy that we probably won't know who has won for months. Well, I mean, some interesting perspective there. Here, to close us out. All right, this one's the magnum opus. I love this one. To a certain man in a red Jeep with WWW something written across the back end of it, you are www.ignorant. <laughs> <laughs> Running up and down the roads, flipping those bright lights on and flipping your black your backlight on that will scald a man's eyeballs out when you meet him in the morning. I'm gonna have a law check I'm gonna have the law check on you, big boy. I'm gonna see if you can't get some of that aftermarket stuff removed from your Jeep. <laughs> Just pure player hater shit. Oh my god. www.ignorant. Wow. Incredible incredible well thanks for listening this week everybody we hope that this was uh informational and educational and more importantly entertaining mm-hmm. if you if you'd like more go visit us at patreon.com www.patreon.com slash tribally workers party as tanya said you get, you'll get a nice little time machine uh time capsule back to the future that's right and um and you'll get all about 120 other episodes as well so uh, if you like this content go there and you'll like more content um so thanks for listening and um any last words i have a new pleasure podcast out check it out at my patreon hank t all righty thanks so much for listening everybody we'll talk to you next time bye